and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob, uh, and I haven't watched a ton of wrestling. And and oh boy, almost wasn't going to watch more today, but luckily we got our technology issues figured out. Yes, we've had a lot. Of, we had a lot of tech issues, but that's okay. We got it working now. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but what are we going to watch? Uh, but Lucha Underground. Yes, the best, the best. Oh, thank God, we're back here. Yeah, it's, it is. I am very excited to be back. I watched. I listened to our la- most recent episode. It's episode eighteen. A Roid mm-hmm. Rage destroys title belt. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That that to remind myself of what happened last time we watched. Uh, obviously, the big thing to come out of that was you know Brian Cage in his in his rage at losing was just like uh, fuck it. I'm I'm gonna just take this title belt and just rip it in two. Yeah. Um that that was um it got it got really uh really angry um the machine was was just really going out at it but hey puma got to retain his title so woo, yeah even yeah. even if it's like physically destroyed it's it's there in spirit he's still champion you did true mm-hmm. and that happened um phoenix beat mil muertes in a in a in a quick one who knows how Muertes is going to take that? Probably not well. Just going to no. Oh, Muertes, Muertes does not seem like the type to take things on the chin. No, uh, the crew was established, but you know, with with Big Rick on the horizon, going to come back for that whole <laughs> burned your eye out thing. Yeah, that is um, that. I'm just I'm excited for like for like edgier Big Rick with an eye patch. Indeed, gonna be great. And then, of and then uh, the la- the other last thing to really mention is is you got um, Dario Cueto uh, being confronted in his office by the mysterious woman who is hunting for Matanza, the one who who wrong who owes her. <laughs> yeah, the kind of vague, but but uh, it was cool to see Cueto get like get get dicked on a little bit by some rando. That that's that was fun. Yeah, and so uh, I guess for going forward tonight, as is kind of as usual with as uh, we found in Lucha Underground, they don't necessarily like take the time to like advertise to you immediately what comes up, you know, next week. Mm-hmm. So, but we, but we literally know the title of the next episode is Johnny Mundo versus the Machine. So I guess that kind of does tell us how this is pro- whether the a, a big thing for tonight will be. Yeah, no, and I mean, hey, love me some Johnny Mundo fighting. So, uh, bada bing, bada boom, huh? Yeah, I think I think we got a good one uh, on tap. Uh, three three minutes is our is our front half here, but you know wow. it's just kind of a we 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 got our speedy. That's, that, uh, that's the magic in. of like of like being far into storylines. We just get to like just snap through these front halves. Yeah, it's great. That and like that and like not having a lot to cover. I don't want to explain very. I don't need to explain anything. We watched the last episode. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. Uh, well, then see you guys in the back half later and we are back we have just finished episodes 13 and 14 of season one of lucha underground dang that was a lot that was a whirlwind oh my god where to begin i know uh and as, as i as i mentioned to david when we were watching i, th- I kind of appreciated that like season third episode 13 excuse me was very kind of story heavy and episode 14 felt more, very more in ring focused and a lot less, you know, and a lot less stuff going on like backstage. 
and both were appreciated. Both did a, both mm-hmm. kind of threw into great contrast how good Lucha is at doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, because all the story segments we got um, during episode 13 really uh, were were just just great to watch. Like, I, I it's just one of those things. I will never be able to stop gushing about how much I enjoy the way they do story segments in Lucha, especially because um, something Austin like noticed and I had uh, Austin had said something about and I had kind of noticed too. Um, you know, we talked last time we did Lucha about the setup for this being much different than a WWE promo because it's um, it's done as its own separate story thing. That's not like, you know, candid shot being broadcast. It's its own kind of like, um, it's 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 just its own separate thing that then the audience gets shown, um, and commentary does this really cool thing in episode thirteen, uh, or wait no actually beginning of episode fourteen yeah. where they make it very obvious that they are not aware of the story things we saw in episode thirteen because they don't get broadcast to the whole ring they are mm-hmm. just like something that happens backstage that within the fictional world of lucha we get to see as part of the show. Yeah. Um, which is really, which is a really cool effect, uh, really unique to to how wrestling's done a lot these days. Um, yeah, then, Lucha, course, Lucha just, Underground is like the only wrestling show I can I know of that does that has that kind of setup. Their version of kayfabe is, fascinates me and delights me mm-hmm. um, because so I guess, I, yeah, I go feel like we, I was gonna say it was like, you you can finish that, but I was also gonna say we could just start with that story bit then since you brought it up. I mean, yeah, no, I I. I there is no like kind of one place to start for these episodes. So just kind of randomly talk the story bit I'm referencing is, um, so last time we were, last time we were in Boyle Heights, um, Phoenix and Mil Muertes had a fight, uh, that Phoenix ended up winning. Um, and this time, uh, in episode 13, we got a backstage segment where, um, Katrina, um, Mil Muertes's girlfriend, uh, come, comes up to Phoenix um, in the locker room and he's training, you know, punching a sandbag, whatever. Yeah. Um, and she she just kind of like max on him for a little bit. And she's like, she's she like, flirts in like the weirdest, creepiest way and, yeah. you could probably do it. Like, like, I thought she was fucking with him at first. I was like, she's like, she's here to like deliver some like some shit. Um, because she's she she points to like a dream catcher tattoo he has and she's like, does this keep you from having nightmares? And then, yes, yeah, she said, sa- "Think so." Yeah, and she sets up for a like get for a a, a one liner about Mil Muertes when she says, "What could what could cause a man who an immortal man to be afraid?" Yeah, uh, but then instead she like rubs his chest and kisses him, and Phoenix the entire time is just like, "What the hell is happening? Like, what what is going on?" And 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 she's just like, "Let's keep it between us." If this happen. <laughs> and Phoenix is just like. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I don't I really talk. So. To, I don't really talk to Mil Muertes. I I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Which was which is great. Um. Um. It was funny. And then and then in episode fourteen we have him. Uh. We have him squaring off against um. um Arhenes. I keep wanting to call him Angeles, but I'm like that's not right. Um. Our and- Ar- yeah. Squaring off against Arhenes. Um. And he wins, and then Katrina like shows up, and she's like watching the back half of the match, and she's all like, you know, leering and smiling and stuff. Yeah, and and and, and commentary doesn't under doesn't know that what the for what the what the interplay is supposed to be here. Yeah, like, obviously, like we as the audience can understand that, like clearly, she's got she she seems to be having this ongoing flirtation now 
with Ray Fien- with uh, Phoenix, but the commentators don't know that, and they assume that she's here as an intimidation factor on behalf of Mil Muertes because Muertes isn't around. Yeah, and it's really cool because like it creates this really layered version of kayfabe that that makes for a lot more intrigue than how we get it in like most versions of 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 wrestling media. So mm-hmm. it's super cool. Um. And and then at the end she comes and lick of deaths Arhenes, uh, you know, while staring down Phoenix suggesting. Yeah, she's yeah, um, she does she does the thing she does for more for Mill for Phoenix. Um, so we get that, but then later on we see her going to talk to Mil Muertes, um, and she's kind of trying to tell him off, and Muertes just kind of like grunts at her and then chokes her, and they do this thing where like he's lifting her up, but it's not yeah. like we we don't ever he's, see her like actually is, lifting off the ground. Yeah, he is like, obvious. Like obviously, it is staged in a way that makes it look like he's doing that. Like we like they have a shot of her of her feet lifting off the ground. Which which I just which I would just like to imagine like they you know they they pause filming on the choking shot and then Muertes lets go and then just like hooks her by the underarms and lifts her up that way. <laughs> that's yeah. I imagine. I, ima- I mean, I imagine that's kind of what they did. Like clearly, those are different <laughs> shots of like, and they probably use a. If if I want to get into like how film is made, they probably did get a. They probably like put her on a box or whatever. Yeah. For the scenes where he's supposed to be lifting her up to him. Yeah. But, he, but yeah, he he like. She's yeah. She's trying to be like the man of a thousand lives has too much power. Was too much power for you. All right, excuse me. The power of a thousand lives. Yeah. Which again, this is what I talked about of them being like forever rivals and like the co- Phoenix being mildly supernatural. It's it's the kind of thing that the show doesn't take as explicit a stance on as they yeah, might do no, other they stuff dance around they kind of dance, they around, dance around the idea but never more do they make it sound more supernatural than when he's messing around with muertes because and katrina is all in on this idea that he that phoenix is like actually supernatural of like the because she calls him immortal and then yeah. she explicitly contrasts him as having the power of a thousand lives and will muertes is by definition the a thousand deaths yeah, and as I mentioned, this is, and that's the that's the conceit of their forever rivalry. It is literally life versus death. Yeah, no, uh, which is which is really cool, like symbolism to go for, and I and I appreciate mm-hmm. what they're doing there. Um, yeah, but anyway, she's like, she's like, it's too much for you, and she's about to say you need, as if and is about to give him tell him what to do, and he literally and he does the choke thing, and then he just screams in her face, "I need nothing." And she's immediately into it again. Like, like, like the, the face goes immediately submissive and she's just yeah, like, she, he's she, like, Oh, she, never doesn't, mind. She, doesn't, she shows a mild amount of fear when he first, when he first picks her up. But yeah. by the end of it, she's just smirking. She's just immediately fruit. horny. <laughs> she, she, enjoy, she got what she wanted out of that. You know what? You know what? I am here for Katrina, um, exploring, exploring her sexuality as long as it's with consenting adults and, you know, if if she likes the big strong beefy guys, well she's in the right place. So go this is, this go is, for it. Godspeed. Man, there's a lot of stuff in this episode. You, in these two episodes you can construe as kind of kinky, but we'll, we'll oh talk about this. I feel like, I feel like that's like a wrestling on a whole, and especially lucha on a whole. No, it's, yeah. Like 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 lucha's really big on the brutal like on the brutal impact and like the tying people up and the choking mm-hmm. people. It goes really hard on some of that shit. No. <laughs> 
so so it's it's so right now we're kind of left but we're we're kind of left with not knowing what katrina's game is exactly no uh, it's not it's not as straightforward i don't think it's as straightforward as like it it first kind of starts as portraying itself as if she's kind of like trying to latch on to the went to a winning horse yeah like now that she's seen Phoenix overcome Muerta, she's like, I don't know, maybe maybe Mister a Thousand Lives over here is yeah. the is the winning ticket. But then she's also kind of, but she's still also saddling up with Mil Muertes. so we don't quite know what she's what her angle is yet. But I'm yeah, sure no, we will figure that out. Again, the way the show builds intrigue is really cool. Because um, mm. again, even like the weird little like interpersonal dramas here, I'm bought in. I kind of want to know like it's. It's it's the the nice thing about having like a forty five minute episode format like and we talked about this before with the show is like mm-hmm. it cuts so much fat that like unlike something like WWE like that can really overplay some of this shit like we get just enough that we get into it and then like it leaves us dangling at just the point where we're we're kind of wanting answers so it's really good at doing that yeah um, and and I I feel like as I was kind of noted I always trying to pay attention to it but it felt like a lot of the story beats in f- episode 13 do not cross over with episode 14 and vice versa there are some but then there are also story beats that are only in each episode oh yeah uh and big one I, especially if you want to talk about like like making the audience want answers the big one is we actually get a continuation from episode 12 of the mysterious lady that came in a came and uh, uh um intimidated dario about like she's here for revenge or whatever um mm-hmm. you know and dario's like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about what's going on um we we get this great well moment. it turns out that was a fucking lie oh yeah dario just um, just just rolled a nat 20 on deception there um he we we get this great shot of him in like a basement dungeon sort of thing this giant ass like key around his neck goofy looking like prop key but it's effective um and he's yeah, just... and, I, and he, he's he's had that he's had that for pretty much the whole show um, oh shit planning and payoff yeah like and and also the uh, notion of like him wanting i believe i like i is during the episodes we skipped um there was a thing where i believe mundo johnny mundo took the key for a oh. hot second just not because he knew anything about it but just because he understood that like dario clearly cared about the key so just to fuck with him <laughs> yeah and so dar and that and 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 dario was like real was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa man whoa oh, hold up like, hold he, up he got, he got really um he got really you know a lot more a lot more su- submissive than he usually is when the when the yeah. when the key is on the line yeah so but um, anyway guys you were saying i was just gonna yeah no no no, no i appreciate the context no, mm-hmm. but but it's this great moment where he's down in like some basement dungeon thing, and he's got this key, and he's sitting there, and he's like, and he's talking to something off screen, and immediately is like, we see that nope, he knows exactly what's going on. He refers to the woman who menaced him by name, Black Lotus. Uh, which yes, is thank like, God that was that mystery didn't go for that long because it was getting it was kind of be annoying if I had to keep referring to her not by name. <laughs> yeah, no, nice, nice badass name there. Um, you know, and he's like. She's uh, she's here for revenge for you. She's gotten stronger, and I could let you I could let you out and and let her get the revenge. But I must protect my temple, sort of thing. You know, he he's 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 doing this great you know like like arch villain bit where he's he's mm. got uh, he's got puppet master control of everything that's going on, uh, and he walks away, and we get just like this big menacing shadow like 
kind of come into the light for a second. Um, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise we do not see anything that we don't know what's in the cave. <laughs> we, I mean, we can assume it's probably a person of some sort or it could yeah. be a monster that has Lucha underground person monster, same difference. You know? Right. But, but all we, all we kind of get of a, of, of the thing in the cage is just like a lot of grunting and, and the, yeah, at the end scene, you get, you get the super menacing shadow behind yeah. the bars. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I love, again, I love the fact that they're not afraid to go a little more um, uh, uh, outside of reality for this show. Like, <laughs> it makes it such a fun duality that, you know, there's the stark kind of sports reality of what's going on in the ring. But then we get these, like, story beats that have a little bit more, like, fantasy and and, uh, and action and thriller to it. Um that's that's uh kind of a fun added spice to it and honestly like for as for as hard as they lean into stuff like this i take it a lot more serious than i do like any of the supernatural elements that wwe tries to bring in um Mm -hmm. like here i'm just i'm bought in and i want to know like what crazy thing is inside the cage like that that's going to be a cool reveal and i'm sure it'll pay off well and, and i'm sure that I'm not going to have a hard time buying into some like grand mon like hulking monstrosity being like a real thing within this world. Yeah, absolutely. The, the cage mystery is, is, is a very exciting time. Oh yeah. And as we were saying that really, that really only took place in episode 13, episode 14 did not, uh, not, talk not remotely that at all. Not remotely. Which, was, I appreciate that because you, you don't need a development on it every single week, especially yeah. when you only have 45 minutes. It keeps it scarce and keeps you and, and keeps you engaged with just the right amount of like just the right amount of, of, of tantalizing info dangled in front of your face. And then it's yanked back away before you have a chance to like really get a grasp on things. It's mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. Um, that, that one, that was a ton of fun. Uh, we get a story beat in um, uh, earlier on in the episode where it's just um, Cueto and Mundo having a conversation like Mundo's come back and Cueto's like, uh, yes, we are friends and I want to give you some action. Um, and Mundo's like, yeah, I'm I'm here for the action, you know. Um, does not does not confirm the friendship part. Does not. Oh, does not does not confirm the friendship part. I thought he said like we we're, we're on friendly terms now. No, he's um, he, like Cueto gives that whole speech and then he goes, "You're right about one thing. I am looking for some action." Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> you know, implying uh, that everything else was wrong. Yeah. And and well, you know, Dario gonna Dario, Dario gonna Dario. <laughs> we guys will go ahead and talk about the episode 13 main events. It's yeah, because that's the continuation it. of that part. Is the have. Yeah, is is the is Mundo versus uh Cage. And as I, I joke with David in an alternate universe, this is a WWE, WWE main event. <laughs> but it is here in Lucha Underground. I, I thought it was pretty good overall. Oh my god, I thought it was a phenomenal match. I mean, I I'm still jury's still out for me on like how much I like legitimately enjoy Cage. Like I still mm-hmm. find him a little boring, but put him in a ring with Johnny Mundo and oh my God, both of them just look incredible. Um, oh yeah. I think, I think this was a real, I think this was a really good match at like both kind of showing off Johnny Mundo being back. Cause it's been a few weeks since yeah. he's been, he hasn't been here since Aztec warfare and as well as, you know, letting cage show off more of his athletic repertoire. Oh that yeah. They, that they chose to kind of hide for the sake of, of making Puma be the only one who does the flippy stuff. Yeah, but um, but Cage is very capable of it. it, which is which is impressive for his size. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's really interesting about this match too is like 
kind of by default posing Johnny Mundo as a giant slayer. I kind of felt that even more than I did the Puma match, mm-hmm. um, which is funny to say because Mundo himself is like, he's a tall boy. He's as tall as Cage, uh, if not taller. And mm-hmm. yet it still felt kind of nice and giant slayery because Cage is going even harder than he was during the Puma match. Um, and Mundo is clearly like got that fire in his belly to 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 pull yeah. it out. So it and does plus, have a very kind of David and Goliath feel to mm-hmm. it. Plus, you know what what Cage may may or may not lack in height, he makes up for in width. <laughs> oh my god, he's so thick, dude. Um, and and yeah, the, I mean, just on a general level, what continues to impress me about Lucha, and I'm sure I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, but what continues to impress me about Luca is Lucha is just the the sheer consistency of its goodness. Like mm-hmm. I, at this point, I don't need to worry ever about a match not being entertaining. I, I can just take it for granted that a Lucha match is going to be good. Um, and I think that's incredible. And which may, which means the, the things that stand out are exceptional. Um, and this is definitely one of those things like Mundo is a joy to watch fight. Um, just, the way in which he's able to maneuver um, and the, the complex moves he's able to pull off. Um, his it, his uh, wonky parkour doing ass. <laughs> I mean, it's extra. It's really extra, but it adds a nice flair to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like, like Austin will point out, like half the stuff he does is kind of unnecessary. But it looks really cool. And again, as to the really great Lucha thing of everybody looks really distinct in how they move. And again, kind of like I was talking about with um with Cena versus um versus Mysterio a couple weeks ago. Um, this was another case of the uniqueness with which Johnny Mundo moves only amplified uh, the the uh, visual impressiveness of how Cage moved in turn because mm-hmm. it made the way Cage moved uh, stick out so much more by contrast because it's so, so distinctly not what Mundo was doing. Cage is not a high flyer. He's a brutalist. Um, and that comes across really well paired up with a high flyer. Um, and they make, it, they make it match up really well. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, though ultimately, it's not really a, the story's not really about Cage. Cage in this one, in that um, throughout the mat, early in the match, we get uh, King Cuerno hanging out in the rafters. Yep. And uh, it's, there is the question of like, who's he going for here? And he, you get the answer to that where he is during the Cage and Mundo match, he comes out and attacks Johnny Mundo, causing a DQ to end the match, we think. Mm-hmm. And he just straight up, he he like is going for the injury immediately, in, going to injure immediately. He like wraps Mundo's leg around the ring post and then smashes a chair into it. Yeah. Um, and so that, and so that fucks up, that fucks up Mundo's leg. And then Cueto comes out, cheeky bastard that he is, and is like, hey, hey, we're friends, all right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let this match end by DQ. It's going to keep going. And Cage is already like halfway up the stairs at this point. He does this great kind of like turn around. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, more blood, <laughs> Hulk smash. Um, um, and of course, just comes in and Mundo tries, 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 but just Cage on obviously wrecks his shit. Right. Um, um, and, and this was really palpable too, because, um, watching, watching, uh, Mundo lose under those circumstances, 
adds this great visceral level to it of, oh my God, this man is clearly in pain. Mundo does a great job of selling the injury. Um, mm-hmm. And yet he pushes through and is even able to get one or two like pins on cage. But ultimately, you know, it's leaving, leading to that uh, uh, foregone conclusion where Cage just overpowers him because he's so big and Mundo's and Mundo's leg just got fucked up enough that he can't stand up to Cage anymore. He has to like go down. Yeah, they they let they sh- they made Mundo look very strong and still being able to put up a decent fight. Yeah, with, with even on the injured leg, but at the end of the day, you know he's only got one functioning ankle. Yeah, and Cage is not a mere man. He is in fact a machine. <laughs> he is a machine. Uh, kind of one last thing to kind of bring up on that one. I, I thought it was really funny that Cage is like coming to the ring wearing the title belt he broke into. This is true. He's wearing motherfucker's wearing it around like this, like this big trophy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it almost reads to me like a like an edgelord version of that meme where like the dude gets handed the trophy and he <laughs> celebrates. He like super celebrates it, and, he's and, and he's like last place. <laughs> It's like it's like an edge lord version of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Good good shit. Yeah, no. Um which which I I thought was kind of funny, but it was even kind of cool too. Like it adds an, an extra little character dimension that he's the sort of dude who like not only does he like on impulse roid rage rip the belt, but then he's like my prize now. I'm going to claim it as if I was the winner because t- I'm such an egotist that I feel like I might as well be. Yeah, I, I mean, I broke it in two, so clearly I'm the winner. Yeah. I was the one standing tall at the end. Yeah. Um, I won. I won. I, it makes perfect sense to me. And it mm-hmm. made for a cool visual. I mean, um, are you going to go tell Cage that he didn't win? This is true. <laughs> this is true. I, I he he's able to get by a lot on how on how big he is um no but uh, it props to this for for making me buy a little more into cage um just by definition of who they're pairing it up to uh Mm -hmm. pairing him up to it was it was it was a really cool main event to watch um i super enjoyed that entire display Definitely. Um, so do you want to talk about like the last big, I guess there are, there are two yeah, bigger I, story honestly, beats left or do you want to start going down? I want to want to leave like the last big story beat to the end. Okay. Um, what I want to touch on next, because I was surprised by this. I want to talk about son of havoc because yes, both his shit, both the things we watched from him. I bought into him more than I thought I ever would. Um, two, so uh, two things on that front. The first match we get is uh, is him versus um, oh, uh, Angelico. Angelico. Okay, yeah, it's him versus Angelico, um, and uh, Angelico is also great. Uh, we saw him in we saw him in uh, Aztec Warfare, and now he's here. Um, yeah, he's, and... he's kind of been featured in spots before. You know, he's, yeah. he's a very athletic guy, and they don't and something and like he's kind of he's really cool to me because he is an insane daredevil in the ring but at the same mm. time he has a lot and i don't and i think they lucha underground shows that more than this other thing i'm gonna say but he also has a lot of technical skill like when they want if they want to be if they want to portray him as like a kind of a submission almost kind of guy he can do that he's very good at it as His, someone who's seen other stuff from him that's cool like people who have versatility like that i respect mm-hmm. the hell out of and like i can tell just watching him he's a really talented dude like mm-hmm. the way he moves so effortlessly um 
it definitely it definitely reads like this is a guy who can do a lot just just with on sheer physical capability yeah um, and and so him and him and son of havoc is a night is it is I, I think it's a nice little opener that plays well into what happens in the second episode yeah well, well the the thing is too like I so far have not really cared about Son of Havoc. Like, you know, he's a heel and he's a douchebag, huh? Um, and like he's so normy. It's it's so weird for me to see like more kind of like normal character wrestlers, quote unquote, in Lucha Underground. Just because like the the standout characters are so out there, so balls to the wall in their character concepts that like the normal people just seem extremely boring by comparison. Havoc's one of those people. Um, I, I feel like that plays into his underdog status, though, and I guess you're prob- we're probably going to get into that, is that oh, I think yeah. I think that these two episodes are the first real time that we're starting to play into the idea of him as kind of being a likable underdog. Yeah. Is they're, is they're starting to lean into the fact that he doesn't win matches at all, but he he, he gives, but he tries really hard, and, it's, and also his girlfriend sucks. Yeah. But, well, well, the the thing about the first match that I noticed was, and this was this was this was this was honestly what spurred me to to want to make my uh, once again Lucha Underground is consistently good comment um, is like watching this, even in that match, like the, the these fights are so good that even Son of Havoc, I'm impressed by his like in-ring prowess and some of the moves he pulls off like everybody's able to pull off these really smart combos and these great little tricks um and all these little all these awesome moments um that that prove what great technical fighters every single person works for this company is and havoc's included among them and i kind of was watching this like god damn the the fighting in this show is so good it's even making me care about a a character that i do not viscerally give a shit about um like that was fight number one and he loses that, and the and and in the process of losing that, uh, Evilise, who is hanging out ringside and you know yelling at yelling at Son of Havoc and you know taunting and Helico. Um, Ar- I mean, if you want to be arguable about it, he this episode, this series of episodes is Son of Havoc keeps losing because his girlfriend is 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 awful. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair. Um, but because, uh, she gets accidentally uh, headbutted. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. By so, Son of Havoc. Yeah. So like they do, they they do a sequence. Um, is it's, it's a relatively common sequence, especially when they, when we're talking about potentially man on woman violence to do. Is that <laughs> she's up on the apron? I mean, it is. Is she's up on the apron, and they go to the ropes, and they do this. They do this sequence a lot longer than I expect, and I kind of appreciate it. <laughs> that was like usually, Looney Tunes. Usually, it's only once or twice do they do it before they move on. But like first. They have, you know, Son of Havoc gets out of the way of an attack, and Angelico has to stop himself from hitting Ivalice. And then yeah. Son of Havoc goes for a move, but Angelico dodges, and now Son of Havoc almost hits Ivalice, and he has to stop. And yeah. they do this at least one or more round of this exact sequence yeah. before eventually Angelico wins at the sequence in that. Havoc goes for a spear tackle, and he misses, and he knocks Ivalice in the gut. Oh yeah, and so she's knocked out, and, and, and obviously this the leads to there. her losing. It leads to havoc losing because yeah, always, because that's how that goes. Yeah, and Evilise is pissed. Now <laughs> Evilise, Evilise, like Evilise storms out. She's mad. And like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, behind, like, like, baby, sweetie, honey, let's talk about this. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know, man. It feels like this is literally your fault, Evilise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I. 
her getting mad was the first indicator. I'm like, oh, ah, she's kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, so she storms out, and that's kind of the end of that for the week. And then episode two, poor son of havoc. He does he jinxes himself. He 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 two weeks to retirements himself when he says <laughs> when he says I'm dedicating this match to the love of my life. To this, excuse me, dedicating this win to the love of my life, Ivelisse, yeah. and yeah. it's going to be saying a Johnny Mundo. Oh, God. Which immediately I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to go real well for you, buddy. I mean, it almost does. They play this story of, like, especially with Mundo still being a little bit hurt. Yeah. Like, Havoc is, Havoc's getting close. Yeah, he's putting up a heck of a fight, and it all it all um it all culminates when he has him dead to rights. He's gonna hit the the moon salt, and he's gonna win. Except Evilise decides to jump up on the apron and then yell at him to hit the move. Yeah, and they go back and forth on this for so long that when he tries to hit the move, Johnny Mundo can recover, and that's what get, lets gives Mundo the ability to win. <sighs> yeah. Um. But Mundo Which, and Son of Havoc, I thought had a really good match. They, oh my god, uh, it 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 turned out really well. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the the cool thing about that one was, I mean, Mundo is always great to watch, yada yada yada. Um, but oh, god damn, it made me care about Havoc. I made the comment to Austin <laughs> when we were watching. I was like, I was like, man, watching this, I almost want Havoc to win because I don't want to see his relationship fall apart because his girlfriend is a toxic bitch. (laughs) Because, like, like, this poor guy, like, you get a taste for it in the last episode where, like, she's mad about something that's kind of her fault. Like, I get, like, Mm -hmm. I get, like, being being like grumpy that you got hurt but like storming Mm. off as if like this is some great injustice when you were like right there and it's like not dude bro's fault ultimately like aside from the fact that he was losing like that that you got yeeted here like chill out a little bit and then here like the fact that she's back with him you can tell it's so tenuous and you're just like oh buddy don't don't let's no i don't want to see this blow up in your face right oh indeed uh-huh. blow up it probably blow up it does well what's funny too is fucking cuerno comes back um trying once again to get at to to, to get like, at mundo it's like what if i hurt mundo a second time yeah yeah so so they so they do the match and havoc is again i'm somehow rooting for him and he's showing off and he actually does this really cool thing where he like he like horizontals himself on the uh, uh on on the 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 ring corner. Um, he and, and then drops oh, on the yeah. moon to blow him. That was the oh, super yes. cool move. He, did, yeah, he, like, does, he does this cool. He does thing the human flagpole thing. Yes, he did. He has a human flagpole on the ring corner, and then does an, and then transitions that into an elbow drop. And I was like, was God really damn cool. it, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so so you know, great show from the both of them. Uh, but eventually, you know. He screws up the move because Ivelisse was yelling at him, uh, and then he drops down too late. So Mundo is able to like knee him and get the get the the pin the the fall on him, um, and then so Havoc and Ivelisse leave the uh, leave the ring in disgrace, and then uh, Quirino shows back up again and is like, "I'm gonna get you a second time," and Mundo's just kind of like, "Yeah, no, let's not this time," and manages to manages to eat. Uh, yeet Querno enough to it. get enough to get away yeah yeah um 
which, which as, like as, as I told David, clearly this is this is Mundo's fault for wearing all those furs. He's confusing Cuerno. <laughs> this is true. It's so good. Like I don't know. Like, I I just love that Cuerno is is like such a prick that he'll go after whomever to um to get this uh to get this title to like even if it's so out of like ring and he has no place being there uh he's just gonna like beat up whoever he needs to 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 like somehow claw his way from the top um extrajudicially <laughs> yeah and like what i love about cuerno is how super committed he is to the character that he's supposed to be playing this is true like in his body language is is amazing yeah, that's something I don't think I've given enough credence to yet. Um, but the way he communicates his character by movement alone. I mean, obviously, as we've made very clear on this show, that's kind of like par for the course when it comes to Lucha Underground fighters. But Cuerno has this great thing about him where he is like crouched and he's and he's like constantly got this like glare in his eyes. Um, and he moves in this slow, deliberate way um, that's so evocative. You really, really feel a character with him on a level that, like, you don't even with with some of the very best mm-hmm. like character actors on Lucha. Uh, yeah. There's this, this is kind of on this whole other level that's uh, that's so delightfully intense. It's really entertaining. Yeah, it's 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 wild because I know that Cuerno is actually capable of being a really good character in terms of like. Lo- acting and voice and line delivery because well, he even shows that a little bit in this ep- in these episodes yeah but i mean I've, I've seen that in like his wwe run that he's on right now oh shit he's on wwe right now yes he's the he, he's unmasked and is playing a completely different character um but he's doing a really good job and he's showing an ability to like talk as oh. part of it but but this is super cool in that he is a mostly mute he doesn't talk often but you still t- easily can understand everything he's about from the yeah. way he moves that's very impressive yeah no and then he gets on uh gets on mike a little bit and like and and he yells or he doesn't even get on mike he just like yells out now he has the, the hunt is beginning again yeah um and it's, it's a ton of fun um yeah um great great effects no shock there right um so so that yeah that's super cool to watch um and then um and then we have um uh another kind of two-parter between between 13 and 14 uh Mm -hmm. with pentagon jr we want to talk about like gifted technical fighters uh they're doing this really interesting. Yes. So, so first we get this video package with him, um, and I'll yeah, I'll let Austin take up. the reins a little bit because I know how much he loves this Pentagon is, Junior. But is, I'll yeah, set up is, a little this bit because we my get my domain. We get this great video package of him doing like martial arts in a in a dojo and like kicking everybody's ass and giving this like narration in Spanish about how he's great. Yada yada yada. It's the same thing that he. It's the same thing they gave Brian Cage and they give a lot of people on this show. But I, and I love it every time of him. Just but with him, it's a little more random dudes in the in the dojo yeah they give it a little more of a visual flair here which is which is a nice touch i mean yeah. that's that's obviously like uh um, um pentagon's whole thing is having like a little more of a distinct visual flair to him his costumes are really like unique and actually kind of like cool and intimidating oh it it is cosplay goals is here <laughs> but I think I, really the only thing that is super interesting to me about like the promo he cuts during this video package is that like the way he ties in his catchphrase, Sarah Miedo, zero fear of yeah. when he's like, 
when you fight like me, you don't you you have no you have no fear. Yeah. Or like something to that effect. And I thought that was kind of neat the way he tied zero fear into um into like a wider narrative. Um but yeah, in in these two episodes, he gets two jobber squashes that exist to create start his new best character trait. The one where he just breaks people's arms. <laughs> what a character trait it is, baby. So this this episode, first episode thirteen, he fights famous B, which give it a couple years on in in real time on this podcast, and we get to talk about famous B being my favorite meme in the, in the <laughs> history of this show. I, I but, did I did remark to us when we were watching he famous B already just in this one Jabra squash was giving off big meme lord energy. Yeah, he, he's he's very capable of it. But first, he shows up and and. Both these matches, this against Famous B in episode 13 and against Ricky Mandel in episode mm-hmm. 14, they both exist to basically put over Pentagon as an absolute killer. I, yeah. t- I touched on it last time because because um, two episodes ago in Lucha Underground, we had Pentagon on it. And I touched on his, his penchants for violence because he enjoys it. Commentary brings that up now. Oh of of bringing up this idea of he of he's he's got this new intensity to him and he's this and he and he and he attack he enjoys hurting people and you see it in the way he carries himself in his matches i said that last time too but same thing here is the way is that he's so calm and collected as he's just methodically destroying people yeah, I, I I want to throw in there just as, just as a random side note. You mentioned in commentary. I just want to throw in there randomly. Like commentary was a lot of fun to 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 pay attention to these last couple episodes. Like this is the most I've noticed commentary like in anything we've watched just consistently. Um, they came through really well, and I really enjoy listening mm-hmm. to them. Anyway, yeah, it, it helps that I think Matt Stryker and Vampire have a lot of energy and chemistry with each other. Yeah, and it's, really- it's, it's 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 cool too because like they don't do the fucking WWE thing of like we have a heel commentator and a face commentator. They're just kind of going for like whatever whatever's the most entertaining. Which yeah, they have they have their they have their own. I, I mean, if I had to try to put them in any box, I would probably say that Vampiro is a little more heelish than yeah, than Striker. But but they 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 but they, they they kind of play it off of like Striker plays the neutral to babyface ish head faith commentator but even then he doesn't necessarily like boo who the heels necessarily he's kind of no. he, he's 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 not there to play that kind of explicit role of like these are the bad guys and they're doing the bad things neither of and, them do they no, both respect the they, hustle yeah. from everybody also they do is that is they both feel like guys who generally prefer what's right but when bad guys do bad guy things, they're like, well, you know, that's how it goes. You know, yeah. got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. It, it Again, it adds a great dimension to the rough and tumble feel of, of like the underground fight club. No, they're, um, not, they're, they're not like getting morally superior that a guy like kicks someone in the like, dick or whatever. And again, it does this, it does the really cool Lucha Underground thing of it adds an air of authenticity to one of wrestling media history's most outlandish shows mm-hmm. um, that they they're so good. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully wrap my head around how they pull it off that they make that Lucha underground of all things feels like the most authentic out of like all wrestling media I've watched thus far. 
uh, the least manufactured, the most like kind of real and down to earth, despite the fact that it has phoenixes, dragons, zombies, um, um, fucking rich people, <laughs> and um, and and I I whatever else you want to throw in there. Pumas uh, in a uh, jaguar uh, tribe. Pumas in a jaguar tribe and a and a and a um a a, a kitchen boy from a mariachi restaurant who got invited to the Fight Club. Yeah, no, it's the yeah I agree. Is it Lucha Underground? Man, it does this. It, the 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 way it manages to make the outlandish premise feel the most real is is something that is incredible. Well, I think what's impressive about Lucha on a whole is just its ability to take things that make make things work in a way you don't normally expect them to. Like going circling back to Pentagon Junior, I enjoyed the jobber squashes. And I know this isn't the first time I've enjoyed jobber squashes, but like neither of these times was I cringing at like, oh God, the obvious jobber squash. Why are we wasting our time on this? Because they gave it a purpose. And Pentagon is talented enough that they that they that 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 it's still entertaining to watch and like the the people they pair them up against while they are they clearly are jobbers they don't like just throw them aside so quickly like that they just feel immediately legitimized them delegitimize the moment they show up on screen like you feel like they could actually like they they feel like legitimate enough that it's it it feels like if 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 it was a better day for them maybe they could get a win yeah, it's exactly. Not a good day because for them even because... the jobbers on Lucha Underground are insanely freaking talented. But but it's not a good day for them because today no. they face Pentagon <laughs> Junior. I, I I made the comment to Austin when we were watching of just like imagine all these jobbers like lined up backstage like out of kayfabe and like just drawing the short stick for which one of them has to get their arm broken by Pentagon mm-hmm. Junior this week. Yeah, so. You know the match happened. You know we. I I, I tell David this. I, I appreciate that. Like even without prompting, because when Pentagon is more of a baby face, he'll do a prompt for it. But even when he's not, but even when he's clearly supposed to be a heel and is playing it that way, everyone silences when he's about to chop the absolute shit out oh of people. God. The the way he like makes those chops look so brutal too is is outstanding. Open palm slap. Oh my god. Like of all the things for me to like feel while watching a match, I would never expect a slap to be something that like I feel so deeply in my gut, but it like echoed out as he slams his fucking hand across this guy. Um it just just I'm like, "Oh, that looks bad." <laughs> yeah. And so he's terrified. He is. And the match, both matches end with him. They, it's interesting because they kind of phase out the submission part of this is that he gets them in an, an arm bar and situate in an arm bar and they both like verbally submit. And that's how the match is like, that's how he wins. But then afterwards, both times the ref is like, okay, match is over. You're done, buddy. Like, Fuck you. And pushes <laughs> him over. And then, yeah, just leans back and snaps their arm. Snaps and the, the arms of both men involved. Into it. Oh, they're very into it. Especially, I noticed this, especially after Ricky Mandel gets his arm broken. They're immediately chanting Sarah Miedo. Yeah, no, which is funny because, like, a lot of the time they, they really are, like, pretty loyal to, like, the faces over the heels, but no, here they're just, they're thirsty for that blood, and they are making it known, and it's kind of a really cool effect. It 
it adds a character to the audience even that that yeah this i've i you, yeah, there's, well, you ar- there's arguably never been a more bloodthirst uh, that's not true there this is the second most bloodthirsty audience you've that's probably ever existed in wrestling um and it it yeah it adds a very interesting character and dynamic to the to the to the show mm-hmm. where the crowd where like the crowd is as into the 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 violence as as everyone as as Dario is and as the wrestlers are and it adds to this air this air of 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 um of um danger well, the, the the cool thing about this about this show too is like the it's not in some like gigantic arena, right? The mm-hmm. audiences are a lot smaller, which means and, and again we've talked about this before, but it's such a cool thing to me because like the smaller the, the smaller nature of the audience means you get a, lo- a lot more to like zoom in on and a lot more focus on with like audience interaction with the fighters, um, and that adds to the gritty realism a little bit. It's fun to see like such a direct audience splash zone happen, um. And that the the way they focus on like other people's faces and um and and the reactions of the crowd to things so specifically right in the wrestlers' faces um just makes it feel all the more connected. Again, despite all the weird shit, connected to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, j- just the way this show makes you feel things deep down in your gut is wild to me Mm -hmm. and it all it it, the pentagon segments end uh, with both times uh pentagon jr acquiring a microphone from one of the production crew and both times offering this broken body as a sacrifice to his master Mm. And I'm very excited for the payoff to that. I know what it is, and I have to sit on it for so long. I'm looking forward to seeing it because there are like a couple things now that have been introduced that I could see that being attached to, or it could just be mm. its own thing. Um, I don't know, and that's going to be really fun to see payoff. I can already yeah, tell this yeah. is going to be a fun. But one. as of now, we don't know who who is Pentagon Junior answering to. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be exciting. Um, uh, again. Some some possible leads, um, and that almost feels. Intense I'm here. I'm here. Too. I would like, love to hear. I would love to hear your theories. I'm. I will. I mean, I have. I have three running theories. One, it's the. Um, I can't remember if it was Muertes or Cage who said, "There's only one man who will work with me," or something like that. Um, I what was th- that whole deal? I. I, mm, I don't remember that line. There, there was something about like one of those two had some line about like having a like some secret loyalty from some other person i can't remember i i i I would probably guess muertes because i feel like i would remember like cage has been here for so little time i feel like i would remember if it was cage so yeah so so either muertes because he said that um or it's the the dude that's in that's in dario's basement dungeon or it's just its own thing Mm-hmm. Uh, those are my those are my three theories. Okay, I, I can't really comment because I know the answer. Well, but yeah. I I do like your theories. Yeah, I mean the the and and I feel like it's almost intentional that they have a couple like things that that could possibly connect to that your mind would immediately go to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, the writing on this show friggin' brilliant. Um, yeah. good times. Um, God. 
Uh, I think so, we just got to wrap up a few things before we get to the last thing to talk yes, about. Yes, uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, Drago and Drago, Aerostar had a match. Drago and Aerostar was just generally a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Drago got the win on this one. Drago, Drago got the win, which is really nice to see after his brutal his brutal beatdown by Cuerno. Yeah, uh, this is, I, this is, this little, was a good... I feel like this was a good... These two episodes were really good about kind of like picking up guys who are like important but yeah. have recently taken losses in that you drago beat aerostar cage beat mundo and then mundo um, beat son of habit and, and, and even beat- and even um 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 and helico beat um beat son of havoc after mm-hmm. losing in um losing in uh, uh um um aztec warfare yeah um so i like even that i was like yeah buddy um so, uh, so yeah, Drago, Drago versus um, Aerostar was just generally a really cool match. Drago's a ton of fun to watch for. Again, he's he's kind of like Werner, where he really physically dedicates himself to the character and it comes across really well. Um, still, probably not to the same level as Querno, but he's up there. Um, I think I I think that like where Querno has the has like the body language of of a hunter down, mm-hmm. Drago has mastered the aesthetic of a dragon. Yeah, and the the stare and the mm-hmm. like the black tongue thing he's got. Um, still not entirely sure if that's his real tongue or a prop. Um, it's hard to tell. I I don't know. I've always assumed it's his real tongue that he just does a the, cool coloring the, the, trick the, the, to. <laughs> Like on one hand, it looks real, but on the other, like it looks like the fact that it, the fact that it's like a freaking like Gene Simmons tongue, and like it almost looks like he like spits it out and slurps it back in whenever he like wants to stick it out, almost makes it read like a prop, and he never really seems to do that during fights. So like mm. I don't know, um, but regardless, um, ton of fun. Arrow stars, you know, fun little braggadocious dude, um, and. And Drago is just fucking dragon and kicking ass, taking names as 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 dragon self. As um, he does. And and, and it's, it's another cool thing of like this isn't a match that has like personal stakes or anything. It's just two guys going at it and allows you to enjoy the athleticism more than anything else. Yeah. Um Phoenix and Arhenna is the only thing I want to kind of bring up about that is we already kind of because we already covered like the story yeah. of it. Is I would like to point out, as I mentioned this to David, and is as I enjoyed the fact that like this is a match that probably shouldn't be a particularly close or or lo- close match in that Phoenix has been portrayed way above our Hennessy's level oh, by yeah. this point. But I felt like that that the presence of Katrina, they they kind of did a bit of a story where with with Phoenix clearly being a little off his game when Katrina was around, and this gave our Hennessy opportunities he would he would he probably wouldn't have gotten if if she had stayed in the back. Absolutely. I, I like without really acknowledging it while we were watching, I noticed that too, kind of just like just watching um the little reactions Phoenix was able to give to her presence. Um it added it added a fun little like extra dimension to the fight of just something else to kind of take. Yeah, note of. I, yeah, yeah. Phoenix told that story entirely through his own body language. Oh, especially when the especially because the commentary did not have the proper story to tell know. that for him. So the only person who could tell that story is Phoenix in that moment. And I think he did a good job at it. Yeah, there's a fun tension to it that mm-hmm. is again is brought is is brought out in this really unique way thanks to the fact that um that phoenix uh is the only one else aside from the audience clued into like what the hell is going on with katrina being here yeah um so so and and you know too like as soon as phoenix gets trotted out for that match like oh shit something's gonna happen yeah either where or katrina Katrina is gonna arrive yeah i don't really know which 
Yeah. So that it kept you on edge. Um, and the the whole mystery of what the hell Katrina's even playing at to begin with is a lot of fun. Yeah. And speaking of Muertes, is is we do get a bit leading it, it kind of a is is he's had an ongoing affair with Chavo Guerrero because he was the oh Chavo, yeah this thing Chavo's first match in uh, excuse me Muertes' first match in Lucha Underground was with Chavo, and there was a bit of an unfinished business there. And so Muertes after. After um, he choked uh, Katrina, he stormed off and he's walking down the dimly lit hallways of the temple. Yeah. I don't say dimly lit, more dramatically lit. And Chavo comes out of a door and they just kind of start having a fight each other. And Muertes grabs, he starts choking Chavo and and throws him up against a wall and, and is like, next week. We settle this uh, yeah. next week. You 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 pay your due or whatever. Yeah. That, that so was, that so that's that a setup for next our next episode. Yes. Um, and so then so 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 then we finally get to the big thing that got me so excited. Uh, is that the end of episode thirteen? We see Dario in his Dario, office. Dario's on, on his phone. Dario's on his Powerpuff Girls hotline phone. Yeah. Um. You know, talking shady business shit, TM. To a um, shady business person that we don't know. Haha. And he hears a slam on the door, and I almost thought it was going to be another um, Black Lotus segment. And he goes like, uh, go away, show's over. Which you, you mean, no, you know, like, that's... That doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, uh, we hear a voice. Oh, no, it's only just beginning. And who should step in but Alberto Del fucking Rio, or as he's known here alberto uh um el, el patron el patron alberto el patron um but i just i i wish you guys could have seen the way my face lit up when that when that um um pompous foppy motherfuckers strode into dario cueto's office it made me so happy yep. alberto <laughs> el patron is here he is he is relatively fresh off of his run in wwe um it's only been a couple months uh as so people know for people who don't know this story is that he's been fired from wwe twice this is the first time and this time happened because there was allegedly an altercation backstage where one of WWE's social media uh, people made a racist joke against Mexicans and uh, Alberto smacked the shit out of him. (laughs) And so for that, they fired Alberto. Mm. Hmm. And so if you were wondering a little bit about like he bring he clearly alludes to that in his promo yeah. and I and I figured you probably didn't know what he was getting at there but that's what he was getting at. I mean I just uh, the general vibes I got from him talking about like the the racism he experienced like in mm-hmm. his last employment like i at the very least i'm like yeah i have no doubt that there's at least just some general casual racism going on behind the scenes at wwe yeah, like was, both in terms of it was, like it was a very it was a from what i remember of this story it was like a joke about you know you know who's who's gonna clean up this mess and and catering as he's referring to talk yeah. is points you know mexicans is the cleaning people yeah that kind of thing uh, that's that's i don't remember the exact freight way that joke goes but that was this that was the 
gist. Yeah. So so he he's he's fired up right now. And as I told David, I in Lucha Underground is as I've mentioned a couple times before, he has this really disastrous man of the people kind of character run in WWE that only existed so that he could feud with the real Americans and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. But well, because they spent so much time like like pumping him up as this pompous fucking idiot rich dude that like yes, it's so yes. hard and to that, make that, that doesn't that didn't help too. Is that like we spent two years with him in WWE as like this arrogant rich asshole, and yeah. then for a couple of months now he's like the 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 um uh, the ideal immigrant American dream story, and it's like uh, that. Even if even if I felt that Del Rio was good enough was the was like well cast in that role and i don't the character continuity is just sh- so shitting out the wall here yeah um but what was really cool was like off the bat um not not like from episode 13 because episode 13 he just like walks in it, it uh, announces himself to dario and like winks and like that's it um mm. when we get into episode 14 what really struck me like off the bat was like I don't know how they did it with all of my preconceived notions about Del Rio just in tow, but like almost immediately he came off as this like really cool, respectable dude. And all, and like, despite the fact that this entire time, like we've encountered, uh, you know, throughout the run of our show, wherever we've encountered Del Rio, I've kind of marveled at him as as like the the doofus rich dude, yada yada yada, that keeps getting shit on by the company. Um, uh, here off the bat, I'm like, he's here, and I respect this dude. I don't know why he just feels like I should respect him. I don't know how they pull that off, but I th- but I, like they I, do a really I good think, job. I think it's a hundred percent a a fact of a different audience receptive to him. And I think that as I as I, I was gonna remarking at is that is that I think that, you know, this is an audience that is not that is more attuned to AAA Mexican mm-hmm. and Lucha Mexican Lucha Libre, and this is the kind of company where like he's a current he's the current like AAA champion right now, and that that yeah. plays into his story on this and this this end of episode fourteen, but he is. But also the fact that like he brings up his legacy as his his uncle is Mil Masker, as his father is Dos Caras, you know, legendary luchadors. And that means something to the audience of Lucha Underground. And I think in that way, that makes it a lot easier for him to play this kind of like a man of the people babyface to this but to even this in audience. office before he's before he's playing to the audience. I think what I think what it is is whenever he's on stage in uh WWE with with some extent like most of the times we've seen him he's played at least somewhat for comedy at the very least he's played up as kind of a dope um just like a happy little dope uh who's too rich to understand how dumb he is but like here immediately they show kind of a certain level of like cunning from him or at the very least like clout um mm-hmm. that doesn't quite get communicated as much um in wwe which is another thing that like kind of gave me credence even without the context of like the story of what got him fired gave me credence of like just the writing treats him with more respect here um Mm -hmm. just without even like thinking about it um which i think is cool because it just added the effect for me of oh my god alberto del rio's here yeah and and that first scene in the office i this is like 
he was one step away from pissing Dario off enough to start like choking him out because <laughs> because like first he remarks about the key on Dario's neck and he's not even like an inquis not even like in an ac- accusatory way he's just like oh neat key what is that open and Dario brushes past it. Dario like an idiot just makes it very like conspicuously clear that it's like a suspicious thing rather than just like thinking to crack a joke about it like mm-hmm. to, to to deflect he just kind of like ignores the question question like that man is really dumb sometimes i love it um yeah and then and then the rio asks for the main event slot but also to not have a fight he was not interested in that he wanted to air he wanted to talk to the people air some grievances and then he will be willing to fight whenever he wants and dario is clearly put out by this idea yeah like what do you mean you don't immediately want to start fighting in my blood sport fight club But then, but then Dario caves and we get a promo from Del Rio and like the latter, sorry, Del Patron, El Patron in like the last 10 minutes of the episode mm-hmm. where that man of the people thing comes out and it's glorious. And no, all it's, of a it's... sudden, like his character is so night and day from what it was in WWE. And all of a no, sudden I... I respect the fuck out of yeah, this man it's a great it was a great promo it, it covers about what you probably expect it's very like i'm glad the people i'm glad to be here you the, these people are so amazing you know this is it's all about fan this is all about family and hard work not like the i you know he talks about i came to the united to the united states because i i wanted to conquer there and make myself a global icon and i did but i was stabbed in the back and i had to deal with deal with you know racism and here it it, that stuff doesn't matter it's all about whether you can get the job done yeah and and i'm here to get the job done yeah and you know you know rah rah stuff well well, the the really cool thing too that i about this is this another case where like the the way the audience is set up adds so much more power to this Mm -hmm. because like Again, you can see so so much more intimacy in how they receive him. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he like I'm pretty sure he like he gets, yeah. When he comes down, when he comes by the down audience the stairs, at one point. He, he runs into the audience for us. Yeah, he runs into the audience, and they're all like they're all chanting for him, and it keeps cutting back to them like chanting for him, and like just the smaller size of the audience makes those chants feel so much more like organic and dynamic in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really cool to like see how they react to it. Um, and, and it's, it's so cool because like, I think about like when audience, um, makes a difference when we watch WWE stuff, um, where like the one time I can think of like the audience really, really, really adding to the moment was during the, the, the end of the CM Punk John Cena fight where Cena runs off and the audience is like, Oh, absolutely electric for him. That's like where the size of the audience, like adds something because everything feels explosive and momentous but here it the 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 smaller size allows for so many more moments like that on a smaller scale where sure alberto oh alberto el patron coming in ultimately does not have the exact same like explosive punch as like the cm punk thing but oh my god the fact that we get to see so intimately how deliriously excited these people are to have him here just adds so much more to the to the at-home audience experience because you feel Mm -hmm. the the hype for it um that uh, that is that's that's what i think is one of the the greatest benefits of a lot of a live wrestling crowd mm -hmm. is their ability to communicate to people at home yeah 
that you should like that's that's kind of the big thing is that like the is that the whole at home audience can follow the energy of the live audience and and, what, and I don't think I'm out of place for saying that the lucha audience seems especially adept at that. I I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So that was that the whole speech was phenomenal. I was take I was. I was taken in by it. I was getting hype. I felt like the rah rah man of the people thing, and I'm like, hey, yes, buddy. And then, and then, <laughs> Tahano arrived. They don't give a. They don't give a lot. That they 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 kind of treat this as as you should know who this is because it's an extension of their AAA feud. I think <laughs> which that, whoops, I didn't. I I mean I wouldn't I didn't either. I think that like one of like if one of the big one of the bigger I think I think a bit of maybe a misstep of earliest of the earliest times of Lucha Underground is that is that they 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 treat the audience as having a passive assumption of 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 and knowledge of AAA stuff yeah as as a way to inform the audience and that's helpful in the beginning because you're instead of having to work from complete and utter scratch but it does create this weird dissonance for viewers like us who did not who don't know the triple a stuff and so there's we don't have the same emotional connection that tahano comes in with his bull rope mm-hmm. and starts oh, wh- and starts whipping del rio because they shit. Yeah, this is this is the kinkiest episode of Lucha Underground. Yeah, we have we have uh, some choking. We got Del Rio like take slowly taking his clothes off. We got choking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a point like 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 early on, he's like stripping for the audience. Like he takes he takes off his jacket and like announces like I'm going to take this off, and then he like takes off his tie. And I was really hoping he'd pull the shirt he off. Kept but he going. Didn't. That was bad. Uh, you know, Mundo does some ass shaking for yeah. the fans. Um, we get <laughs> questionable. We get dubious consent with uh, uh, Angelico trying to mack on Evelise during that whole that. bit of them like try not to hit Evelise. All that, all that fun non-con shit. Yeah. And the and here at the end with 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 uh with Tejano taking his big bull rope whip and just whipping Del Rio. Choking and whipping and uh shit. Choking and stripping yep. and whips. Oh my. Oh my indeed. <laughs> that that's gotta be like a Star Trek Sulu. Oh my. Oh um my. And, anyway, yeah, so he comes in and just like just just decks del rio from behind and you know just like what who is this man but it was still like i could still tell like oh there's some shit going down here. yeah i mean like, it's obvious that like oh so del rio's gonna be uh fighting this guy going mm-hmm. forward obvious but, you'd set up is obvious yes yes uh tejano who i'm i'm an oak i'm i i am a decent fan of of his work in lucha underground i i like i like this his dumb it is big dumb bull whip ass <laughs> <laughs> look i'm just happy del rio's here so like whatever we get from that i'll, I'll take it yeah uh, al patron is gonna be here for a little while honestly what was really cool for me like like one of the the like okay the presumption of knowledge it has its ups and downs because mm-hmm. i really like the wwe approach of a treat every show like it's a person's like it's somebody's first um mm-hmm. but that has its downsides because it kind of leads to some like inherent backtracking and recovering ground and yeah almost at times it feels like it stunts things a little bit in that you're like you, you there are certain 
places there are certain extents to which you can't take your story simply by the philosophy of like we can't leave like the newbies too far in the dust um mm. but here that assumption of that assumption of knowledge while um while in some cases like like um like at the end here like them treating it like you should know who this dude is i was lost but del rio coming in at the end of episode 13 without any sort of real introduction as to like you know turning to the camera and being like this there here's who this guy is yeah he, was, he just he just drops his his old wwe catchphrase where it, he names himself and he's like but you already knew that but it which was his original me catchphrase so again. gratifying mm-hmm. like without having that handhold there for me it just excited the hell out of me and so for for the moments where you do know what's going on and they introduce something that they kind of presume you should know it is really cool to know what's going on i was i was blown away it felt like a treat for me for like following wwe to the extent that i have been through this podcast and now have one of its biggest players pop up here as now a major character in this new space that was a such a cool moment and i do have to give him credit for like that presumption of knowledge really working sometimes if you do know what's going on. Yeah, I agree. And and I and I just overall I do like you I do appreciate that Lucha Underground treats itself kind of like serialized television. Wow, mm. I have I've been saying that before. Mm. In that, you know, they'll give you the recap at the beginning of the episode, but other than that, they're like, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> hold on. Oh, I almost forgot oh. the big Rick thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that promo. That was fun. That was random. yeah, dude, dude. Yeah, it's it's it's, just, it's kind of he does the he does a confessional, <laughs> and he's like, "Bless me, Father, for I'm about to." Have I'm sin. about to. I'm about to. Have and he just talk and he talks about how he's gonna kick the crew's ass, and it's all about how like like you'll have to forgive me, but I'm like I'm not gonna have innocent blood on my hands. There are two things about that I want to say. First of all, major. Master, forgive me, but I must go all out just this once vibes. Um, and two, after the comment you made in the middle of that promo, I really, really, really wish they had cut to the priest on the other side of that confession box going like, well, that's great, buddy, but like, that's not how this thing works. No, it's not. But yeah, he, the, he there's a lot of he, Ezekiel Jackson. Excuse me, Big Rick. I just said his yeah. WWE name. But thanks. I, <laughs> I love I how many for, of these people are also in WWE. God damn it! This is what I get for watching 2011 WWE recently for this podcast. Is ah. pops up there. But anyway, Big Rick. He uses a lot of he uses a lot of biblical uh, language. He talks about going Old Testament on him, and then the then at the end, it ends I with the priest being like, like, listen, son, I. I I ask that you go in peace and, and big Rick is like, that's great father. But even God once said, vengeance is mine. (laughs) Oh my God. And they, and they paint and he comes in close and he lights up his cigar in the confessional. And we see the, and we see the eye eye patch. Ah, yes. We get big Rick, but with an eye patch now, Mm -hmm. very, very fun to see where this is going to go. I'm sure. But, oh my God, it was so beautifully goofy. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, and overall, <laughs> overall, I think we had. I think this was. These were a real. These were two strong episodes. Oh my! I mean, again, what the hell else would you expect from Lucha Underground? No, as, this as, show was exceptional. This show was amazing. I am made so 
fucking goddamn over the top, over the moon, ecstatically happy every time we watch this. And for good reason, it's so good. It will always be good, and I'm so goddamn happy that this is on our menu. Holy yep. shit, do I, I love Lucha fucking underground. So do I. I'm glad we're only a third of the way through the first season. I know two so years until until season go. two, year and a half season here. two, whatever. Like we're gonna be on this train for so long. Oh, this is exciting! Oh, that's so cool. But yes, uh, that is uh, you know, we, yeah, another great time. And for next time, though, um, this is the the next time will be the first time that we've reached an end of a story arc on this ah! podcast. Even though it didn't start as one. I, I I did the Attitude Era thing, didn't start as a story arc, I made it one, but next time we reach the end of the line for now in the Attitude Era with the very first time, Austin versus McMahon. Oh my god, that's gonna be so wild. I can't believe we're like gonna be done with the Attitude Era for a little bit. That's like so wild to me. It feels like such a staple of our cycle now that like knowing that next time is going to be the last is kind of insane. It It, it is honest. We're... And but, I'm excited to go yeah, into I, it. We'll see. I, it's going to, I think it's going to be a good time. I think so too. That whole setup has been wild and goofy. I, I just love my wild and goofy shit, whether it be in Boyle Heights or wherever the fuck WWF slash E is filming in a given week. What will, we, what will we do when we don't have Vince Russo every month? I know. I I, I can't pull out my stock Edgelord writer snark anymore. I gotta, like, come up with original shit. <laughs> Lame. so much work. Anyway, Ugh. anyway, David, let's do the plugs. Yes, sir. All right, my friends, my dear, dear friends, thank you so much for once again joining us on this wild, wacky world of wrestling with us on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a return listener with us, thank you ever so much for coming and listening to us once again. We are utterly delighted to have you with us week after week. If you are brand new around here, welcome with the with with all of the love and joy in my heart. Thank you so much for uh, for coming and joining us for the first time. We hope you continue to do so. If you would like to continue to do so and you're not entirely sure how, well, not to worry, my friends. I have that right there for you. One. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. Ring that bell, all that good stuff. Two, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple, and on Google. Three of the best places to get podcasts. No matter where you listen to us, make sure you give us a follow, a subscribe, whatever. Leave comments, leave likes, leave ratings. Just just give us that oh sweet engagement. We love to, we love to uh have the that nice little like, you know, algorithm boost. It's a nice little boon. And plus, it's cool to just get feedback on the work we do week after week hopefully it's good feedback you know um uh if you'd like to find us on social media uh we are at noobs and Knox pod on twitter that's noobs the letter n Knox pod on twitter um we we post every time our new episodes drop um we like to you know drop some memes here and there interact with the overall broad wrestling community uh and austin does uh the best social media managing thing ever of live tweeting uh wrestling week after week my friend what is on the schedule for this upcoming week 
Yes, and I, in my continued in my continued quest to commodify and monetize every bit of wrestling I watch to ensure that absolutely <laughs> nothing I do is purely for my own enjoyment. That's, this, that's the magic of content, baby. As usual, uh, I live tweet uh, AEW Dynamite Wednesday nights, eight p.m. every week. It is mm. the only. It is the most consistent wrestling thing that I watch every week. And in addition, I cover all. A NXT takeovers, all WWE Impact and AEW pay per views, including today, the date this episode drops, April 25th, tonight, Sunday night, Impact Wrestling Rebellion, one of their quarterly pay per views. It is $40. I admit it is $40 on Fight TV, but I'm telling you what, this is going to be a great show, headlined by Rit Swan versus. Kenny Omega, title for title. One man is going to walk away, both the Impact Champion and the AEW Champion. Oh, that's exciting. That's so cool. All right, yeah, be sure to check that out. Uh, Austin's been putting so much uh, work into his awesome live tweets. Um, be sure be sure to, to watch along with him and, and get all of his brilliant insight uh and and best uh best jokes on all the proceedings of the evenings uh you can also uh email us uh noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com that's the word and this time noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com uh let us know what you think of the show give us suggestions for things you want to hear from us um just generally say hi and and uh talk about how how you use our voices to lull you to sleep night after night uh our dulcet tones uh, do do soothe and protect always um and uh you can also uh subscribe to our patreon one dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode yep and with that see you guys next time hasta luego